Tampa gave us absolutely everything that they had here tonight, and our guys stayed with it. And we get a clutch goal to get us to overtime, and then, I mean, you're, you're right there. So uh, I, I really liked how our guys stayed with it. You know, you look over the last number of years, we've lost this game a lot of times. Today, our guys stayed with it and made sure we got the win. That's right, Sheldon. The boys found a way. The boys were buzzing. Big OT win. Who cares about the deservo meter? A win's a win. <laughs> I say that trying to be <laughs> as confident as possible. <laughs> Did I convince you? Oof. Forget simulations. They don't matter. It's real sports. Anything can happen. Anyone can win. We're going to take your calls at 7.30. So get ready. Get in the queue. Closer to the time it will take your calls. We'll get all your thoughts and feelings on the Maple Leafs. Frank Saravelli, NHL insider and president of hockey content at dailyfaceoff.com and verified Twitter user joins us this morning. Frank, you're paying the big bucks for the blue check mark, or did Elon Musk just see that you were a legacy account that needed to be continued? I can't believe this is a thing. Oh, yeah. And by the way, nothing like broadcasting to everyone. Hey, I don't have two-factor authentication. Come come hack me. <laughs> it's true, actually. <laughs> I, no, one, no one has made that point yet that I've seen, so congratulations. You're right. I mean, you need to protect your count. We were just talking about how, like, Elliot and Jeff haven't jumped on board. We're like, it's a, a bit worrisome, right? Them. Come July 1st, we're going to have fake trades everywhere, but we know where to find yours. Very much so with the blue check mark. And you know what? I'm proud of you for just saying, screw you guys. I got it. Like, wait, there's no yeah, conversation. I, I, I can't believe it's a big deal. Like, who cares? <laughs> what does anyone care LeBron what anyone James does? LeBron James cares, so we care. So we just had to bring it up. God. All right. Uh, we brought you on there with a clip from Sheldon Keefe. And obviously the conversation this morning is the Maple Leafs found a way to win a game that they really didn't, uh, didn't deserve to win. We were t- asking the text line and the callers we're going to have on after you about are you more confident in the Maple Leafs after they found a way. Um, how do you start to answer that question? It's a kind of a weird one, right? Like they, we never are in this position where we win the game, we as in Toronto, and usually it goes the other way. Yeah, you know, I, I understand what he's saying in terms of how the game played out, but I kind of want to quibble a little bit with, his overall premise in the sense that I don't know if that's necessarily the game that the Leafs haven't won in a series. I actually think it's this next one coming up. That is the true test in the sense of they've had opportunities in series before, whether they've gotten lucky or should be there or whatever it might be. They've had leads two to one. It's been their issue has been converting and putting a skate to the throat of the opponent and really stepping on them to have a three to one series lead to really be in the driver's seat to get away from some of the nervous energy that might come with it. It's this game coming up tonight. Mm -hmm. That really is the one that's escaped the Leafs. If you can come back home up three, one and actually have some breathing room for a change, that's the game that's truly evaded the Leafs. 
Yeah, I, I definitely think you're right about that. I mean, I think both things are definitely true. I mean, we've been talking about this forever. Like, when is a goaltender for the Maple Leafs going to steal a game? When are you going to win a game that you don't deserve how to win? But also the question is, when are you going to take your opportunity to actually put an opponent away or at least back them into a corner severely so? And I think both these opportunities have been presented to us because, well, the Leafs actually lost game one. Like, generally, that's kind of not the problem. They kind of get ahead and they kind of... they're the ones that are slowly giving away the series and with Tampa winning game one it's taken on a bit of a tenor that we haven't seen before so another opportunity tonight for the Leafs to actually do something that they've failed to do previously which is to put their foot on a throat Uh, it's it's interesting though because we're teeing up the series and we're thinking okay the Leafs are a better team on paper the Leafs should be considered favorites Uh, but I guess we didn't really account for that effort from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, that was a vintage Lightning postseason effort where they dominated the game in every single way. Uh, And it's an interesting kind of predicament that we're in because we're like, well, what is? uh, should we be more or less confident in the Leafs given that they won that game but that the Lightning actually still have that in them? Where do you stand on that? That's why it's so difficult for me to sit here and say this feels all you know so different because really if you consider the totality of the three games played to this point I mean how would you sway the seesaw does it I know what the scoreboard says but have the lightning actually played better than the Leafs for a longer percentage of time I don't know how it would sort itself out but I think especially given the way game one played out and not how lopsided it was, but really like there was a huge reminder, I think sent from the lightning to the Leafs that not only can they find a way to turn it on, but that they're willing and able to outwork them, which I thought was such a key part of, you know, the way the tone was set. And then Saturday night plays itself out the way that it did. And it was, you know, a lot of the same stuff, if that makes any sense. You know, the battles, everything that came with it. The the Leafs were kind of fortunate, as we talked about, to escape the way that they did. They did a lot of great things. And, you know, the comeback, like, you, you know, you're waiting for moments like that. Ryan O'Reilly, this is why you traded for him. All those things. But if you're, if you're sizing up the totality of the series, I think the edge in some ways in terms of play goes to the Lightning, but that's, that's not how the playoffs work. No one mm-hmm. cares about that. It's a seven-game series, a seven-one you know, seven, game series, and the scoreboard is really all that matters. So Saturday night, not only did the Maple Leafs uh, come out on top, but they <laughs> had some post-comment uh, fiascos, I guess, with – Keefe and Cooper going head to head because the the game doesn't end when the when the buzzer goes. They, those guys like to get on the podium and discuss. And I think the the first point Too we far. should yeah okay. So we should bring that up first to start with um, Keefe making some comments that that was how Tampa manipulates the officials. Obviously, he's talking about the uh, Stamkos Matthews situation. I want to know your thoughts on just maybe the refing in general. How that that whole you know well, would you say melee. That's Justin's word. It's definitely a melee. Yeah, how that all unfolded in the, the two comments between the coaches post game. I think it's a bridge too far to kind of take that if you're Sheldon Keefe. And look, I understand the messaging. You're trying to plant a seed. You're trying to, 
you're, you're trying to deflect uh, and have give people something else to talk about. And obviously, you know, we're taking the bait uh, going to that point uh, and having this conversation this morning. I, you know, does anyone really think that these refs are able to be manipulated? I, I personally don't think that's possible or the case. Um, I think it's just, something that teams like to a frenzy that teams like to work themselves into. Um, And I, I, you know, I don't even think there's something perceived when it comes to that in terms of Tampa and their vets and their ability to do that or their experience doing it or anything like that. So uh, don't understand it. Uh, But I do think there's a larger conversation to be had about the officiating in these playoffs in Mm -hmm. general, because, no bueno. It's been no good. Um, and look, I'm the furthest from an officiating complainer, if that makes any sense. Like, I, I always roll my eyes because I think, one, over the course of a season and the playoffs, it evens itself out between teams. Uh, two, they're human and they're going to make mistakes. But I think there's another truth to me this time around, and that's number three, which is this is the worst officiating that I've ever seen in a playoff. And I think maybe the true unreported or underreported stories is really how many referees the NHL has changed out over the last five years. Like we're dealing with a way younger, way more inexperienced, officiating crew um, that has really struggled. And I think the other thing that kind of drives me crazy and probably drives every fan crazy watching is that no matter what happens, no matter how bad it is, the NHL always turns around and says, what are you talking about? We've got the best officials in the world. (laughs) You're crazy. Mistakes or mistakes? What are you talking about? We get it right 90% 8.999% 8.999% of the time. And it's like, come on, just for once, admit that something isn't as good as it could be. And I think that's one of the NHL's real problems in general is no matter what the issue is, how minor, how major it is, you never hear them admit fault. You never hear them say, oh, this could be better. And I think that sort of, it's either arrogance or complacency or whatever it might be it's just it 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 needs to end it's it's too much yeah i mean it's hard not to complain about the officials i think wherever you wherever you stand on it if you're a fan uh you just you know just an onlooker like it seems like there's always something to complain about however i will say i think the Braden point morgan riley incident was handled perfectly at least in their own little silo uh the fact that they were able to call the major review it was that like textbook do you want to see more of that do you want to see extended yeah, review where they could look at that whole situation and be like okay this is how it should have gone because it seems like Stamkos got some free punches on Austin Matthews but I just think in that's that real specific incident it was like yeah you guys nailed it with that like you got the right call why can't we get that more often yeah and I think these in the week that these playoffs have gone on I don't know the exact count, but it feels like there's been at least four major penalty reviews. And I think they've nailed it every time. So that facet of it has been great. Like they've gotten the call right. Whereas in playoffs past, 
they weren't really sure what to do. And I feel like in some ways they've also used that as a crux in uh, a crutch, excuse me, in the sense of we aren't really sure what happened here. So we're just going to call a major penalty. And if we need to rescind it, we'll rescind it. And they use it as a way to get to a review. And I actually don't have an issue with it because they get it right mm-hmm. by, by the, by the help of the video review. So the adage for the Maple Leafs forever has been, you know, the core four will take this team as far as it can go. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like that might be changing a little bit. It might be changing because of Ryan O'Reilly. The impact has been immense. And it feels like not that the pressure's off because the pressure's still obviously on those core four players, but this is a more balanced team. And this is a team that can win in different ways and through different folks, I suppose. Um, you alluded to it already, but the change you've seen is this like, you know, okay, he had a great night and uh, scored a goal and won a draw and the Leafs won a game. Or is this like the real change that this team's always been looking for from a leadership intangible standpoint? I, I think it's too soon to answer the question. And I know that sounds like a cop out, but I, I think what you're seeing is that change happening but until we actually get to the other end of this and the Leafs advance in a series, like it's too soon to say, like there's a lot of things that could still happen here, but it's definitely trending in that direction. Like how many times have I said it over the last you know, year with you guys, as we've had this conversation, the Leafs, they need a killer and Ryan O'Reilly is a killer and he's played like a killer and it's so incredibly important for this team to have someone that they can rely on to step up. And and the thing is you, you can't rely on that one person every time. Um, and there have been other players, you know, especially ones part of that team that have set the tone. Like Mitch Marner has had an incredibly impressive series, I think to this point. Um, however, like, getting that game tying goal in the last minute of regulation to get to OT huge. And the fact that O'Reilly's the one that's able to step up and do it, this is why you traded for him, but there's still plenty of other make or break moments that are going to come in this series. And they may come as soon as, you know, tonight to, to be able to go back with that, three to one series lead. And it may be on the defensive side that you need Ryan O'Reilly to step up in a huge moment. It seems like he's fully capable and and ready to do that. And I think I had some serious question marks heading into um, their acquisition of him based on the way that he had played this season before the trade, but he seems to have answered all those questions to this point. I'm just not ready to say fully there. And I think everyone understands why that they're ready to do that yet. We talked about how this was a big night for Kyle Dubas watching his trade deadline acquisition come up big. Even Luke Shen being kind of that veteran steady presence as well. Mm-hmm. Ilya Samsonov, who you took kind of a gamble on finding himself halfway through the game and being lights out. And you saw Kyle Dubas in the press box, elated, showing emotion, something we don't really see much from Dubas other than a fist bump, going head-to-head with lightning fans through the, the press box window. Like, it was just like the Kyle Dubas experience that we haven't seen so far. Did you like seeing that emotion from a GM? Um, J- Justin was like, he better not have to come on and apologize because that would be kind of devastating. Just, like, let the guy be him. Well, yeah, and look, all those videos perfectly 
you know, posted without any context at all. Like right. no one has any idea what was said to him or, mm-hmm. or anything like that. So uh, certainly don't mind the, uh, the passion and the fire that's burning. Mm-hmm. And you can tell how much this means to, to him and everyone else. Like there's a lot on the line here. Um, I, you know, you, I was trying to think back over the weekend, like as I watched the clip and, and then someone sent me a different angle last night, like, how many times have we seen a general manager spout off like that directly to fans mm-hmm. at a game? I mean, you could probably count on one hand. Like, stuff gets said all the time and people get fired up, but I- I'm still not entirely sure what to make of that other than that I think everyone likes the passion. Yeah, my my big concern is, you know, he ends up in Pittsburgh. He's no longer corporate oh, Kyle. He's the most it. interesting guy in hockey and – Oh, we'll see if that actually happens. Uh, okay, so not willing to entertain. Well, willing to entertain, but not there yet on how Ryan O'Reilly has completely changed the Maple Leafs. But I wonder your take on Andre Vasilevsky and whether the mystique is gone just a little bit. I mean, he lost twice in a row, twice at the end of last year's postseason. He's given up the most goals postseason wide with 14 allowed in three games. He doesn't seem right now to be the boogeyman despite being the boogeyman for all these years. Again, too early to, to, to answer this question uh, because is that a bad year, Frank? Is that a bad year, Frank? Bad year, bad starts of the playoffs. Oh, he had a bad year at nine fifteen. Bad year for Andre. Do you know, you do know that the league wide save percentage this season was well in the eights, correct? I didn't know it was in the eights, but I, I, knew, I knew he was better than average. I knew he was better than average. League-wide save percentage, 899. Oof. He ends up at 915. I'd say uh, definitely not bad year. And I would say also count out Andre Vasilevsky and the Tampa Bay Lightning at your own peril. Mm-hmm. I, I would say with his size, his ability to win after losses, how sterling has that record been, over the last number of playoff runs and over his, his last his three, over his last three and back to backs. Look, con- convince yourself <laughs> of whatever security blanket you need to sleep soundly at night. Um, All I'm saying is it, cause he, he still can be the boogeyman. He definitely he still can be. He definitely can still and be he the plays, boogeyman. Here's, here's another reason why some of those stats may be overinflated. Because he plays every damn second mm-hmm. of every playoff game, mm-hmm. even when they're down, they, like even when they're losing by like yeah, six, he's like, "I'm to, not coming." They don't out. go to Brian Elliott for the third period to mop up like Joe, like Joe Wall the other night. And to that continue, and to continue spinning it, maybe that's the issue, Frank. Maybe oh, he's God. played too much. Okay, one more quick: Is it too early then? Uh, hypotheticals for you: Is it too early to just scratch Michael Bunting off the uh, options for Sheldon Keefe? Like we got one more game here. Matthew Nyes has been yeah. really, really encouraging and really good with Ryan O'Reilly, but there's there's a decision to be made here once Michael Bunting's suspension's over, and I think people are learning or leaning towards, uh, no, let's keep him out of the lineup. I feel like that would be a mistake to prejudge that. Um, look, here's the fact of the matter is over the last two seasons, he's still a 100-plus point producer over the two seasons and has scored 20 plus goals in, in each of the seasons. I understand the excitement and um, 
interest in Matthew Nyes. Like I, I, I think that he has the potential to be something really interesting, but he's he. I don't think he's really even close to that now. And I do think that there's. Uh, I understand your question if you have one about Bunting's emotion and the energy, and does that sometimes spin in a negative way? Given that it seems a lot like he's off kilter or you know, a step too far. Um, and I get that, but I just, I don't think bunting, or I'm sorry. I don't think Matthew Nye is anywhere close to being a potential impact player the way bunting is. And sometimes, you know what, you need those players on your team in the playoffs, as long as they can harness the energy in the right way, which obviously he didn't do to open the series. Um, I, I think he can be really impactful, and I think you, I think you need him. So I think to to write him off and say, you know what, we're just going to park this guy here on the bench, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we'll get to him again at some point. I don't, I don't think that really makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and if he does make a return, we got another game here in between that. He'd probably have a real tight leash. I'm sure everybody will have their eyes on what Michael Bunting would bring to the lineup. But the way that that game went on Saturday night, the physicality, I could see where he could if. Harness correctly, be a good. You uh, want rats? Yeah, <laughs> you need rats. Did you see the win. rats thrown on the ice at the uh, Bruins in Florida game last night? Oh, that's it's amazing! For the course is Florida playoff hockey. It's amazing. That was fun game to watch. Um, I want to ask you and about throw them right at Matthew Kachuk. It's oh yeah, perfect. yeah, one hit him in the head. Um, I want to ask you about the uh, Hurricanes because one fun underdog bet and people were getting on it was where the Islanders. I might have yeah. I might have been swayed uh, last minute, but Carolina's come out, made a statement, three one uh, series lead after some question marks Ooh. about them. You did say that you were really high on them, I believe, when we talked um, a week or two ago about Stanley Cup contenders. I don't remember if you were fully in on them or not, but are you now? Because three one lead, looking like they're kind of rolling through that series. Yeah, I'm not on them as a Stanley Cup contender, but um, I did pick them to win the series because I just thought the Islanders have been a really average team all year. And and obviously, I didn't see the Teravainen injury coming. I don't think anyone did. And to take a third, you know, scorer out of their lineup for a team that really desperately needs goals and struggles to score them at times, um. I I really question how far they can go, and mm-hmm. and if the Rangers can really grab a stranglehold in their series, that uh, Carolina is going to be in a tough spot. But it was impressive for them. They've gotten contributions from players um, that you know they're they're definitely not necessarily expecting. McEachern steps in, of course, and and gets uh, you know makes an impact for that team to win on the road was such a big boost for them after not winning at all on the road last season. So they were 0 and 8 heading into last yesterday's game and they needed that. So now that that monkey is off their back, perhaps they can play a little bit more free and know that they can they can actually win on the road, uh which is quite crucial in the playoffs that you know, I, I give them a puncher's chance because they are so disciplined, they play so hard and, and they're pretty consistent. You never really have any question mark about what you're going to get from the Carolina Hurricanes. The thing is, they're so hobbled. Can they go further? And I have real questions about that. 
Things uh, things were a little hairy there for the Boston Bruins. Uh, I, I think you could make the argument that the Panthers were the better team throughout the first two games in yes, Boston. I, Boston would, I would buy that argument. Boston down its top two centers going to Florida, but they answer with consecutive uh, wins in Sunrise. I, I feel like it went from scary season to, oh, this was actually the perfect tune-up for Boston. Uh, do you see it that same way? Yeah, I do. Uh, and I saw it that way before the series started in the sense that, I, look, Florida has some really interesting pieces that it hasn't all come together for them. And, you know, it certainly feels like the clock struck 12 on their goaltending. Uh, Alex Lyon did a credible job of getting that team to the postseason, But I think that was one of the real question marks for me is like, can they really topple a team as deep as the Bruins that can come at you in waves and with him and net, and I think not only with him and net, but also with their defense as it's currently constituted, I, I had some real questions about that. And I just think Boston is so incredibly deep that even with those guys out, like the fact that you can, you know, start a series with Taylor Hall, you know, on your third line and that group uh, and play them sparingly if you want to really speaks volumes to me about, how well they're playing and how well they're constructed. And then defensively, like, you know, I, I voted Hampus Lindholm actually number one on my NARS trophy ballot. Ooh. And um, the fact that he had such a good season and he's probably not their best defenseman is a scary thought. And then you add Dmitry Orlov to the mix. Um they're really, they're just a talented group. And they, we've talked all year about these last dance vibes. Like they weren't letting the Florida Panthers get in the way of that. No, not even without uh, Bergeron and Krejci, at least in the last two and games. Now they're going to be rested. Now they're going to be rested. Oh, I got to get one more victory, but yeah, they're going to be okay. Um, okay. Last one for you, Frank, uh, big night for former Leafs in Edmonton. Uh, they get the, uh, dramatic overtime victory to even the series. It feels like a major, major bullet dodge for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, assuming you stayed up to watch that, because I did miss I did. overtime, uh, how did the Oilers save their season? Well, it was cardiac kids. <laughs> I mean, cardiac arrest is what you were feeling if you were an Oiler fan, down 3 nothing in this game that you absolutely need. Jack Campbell comes in in the second period, you know, plays really well. I think there's a sidebar conversation to be had about whether or not you start Campbell in the next game because I wouldn't. Uh, but Campbell comes in, really helps the team. You know, they get timely scoring, take advantage of some power plays that they had. Um, and Connor McDavid gets on the board at even strength with points. Um, they they find a way. Zach Hyman in OT. Uh, you know, even when they're, you know, you, you climb all the way back down three, nothing. And then LA scores and you play the bulk of the third period down again, uh, to find another gear late in the third, they knew that their, their season was on the line. They knew that they, you know, going down three to one to this Kings team, that's been incredibly tough on them all year, especially at even strength was a recipe for disaster. So the fact that they could draw square and go home even uh, is a huge boost for them. And I think now they have the opportunity to be in the driver's seat with uh, a win on home ice. It's, it's improbable based on the way this series has played out. 
Uh, we want that series to go as long as possible. It's certainly been one that's brought a lot of energy. And uh, even if it's late night, we're staying up for uh, Frank, appreciate you joining us this morning. We'll chat with you next Monday. And you know what? You're our verified guy, whether you got a check mark or not, right? <laughs> oh, man, what a badge of honor that is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> All right, thanks, Frank. Have a good week. Have a good one, guys. That's Frank Saravelli, an insider and president of hockey content at dailyfaceoff.com. Blue check mark king. Yeah, I guess he makes a good point. I mean, it's kind of livelihood for a lot of people. Yes. That, that factor, two-factor verification. That's right. Um, we've got lots to come. We're going to take your calls on the other side of the break. That'll be at 416-870-0590 or one 590 or star 590 on your Rogers cell phone. We'll be doing this all series long. We want to hear from you this morning. we got lots to unpack after Saturday's OT thriller, including... What we're going to bring up next in Something to Chew On, brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. Okay, we kind of touched on it a little bit with Frank and with ourselves, but we want to chew on this a bit further. Matthew Nyes has come in and been a pretty great addition, I would say. Well, pretty good addition. Okay, let's not over... He's been he's been pretty good, yeah. Pretty good. He's been real good. Difference between pretty good and pretty great. So yeah. I'm going to say pretty good addition for the Maple Leafs since coming from college um, alongside Ryan O'Reilly, which has certainly helped. Michael Bunting is one game away from the decision to either bring him back to the lineup, don't bring him back to the lineup, put him in and where and who comes out. Obviously, they got to move some pieces around. The chew is what you would do if you're making the lines and Matthew Nyes and Bunting and everybody's available now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I guess, the bit of a cop-out answer is it's as simple as did you win or lose game four? Like, if they win game four, they're 3-1, their best games have come without Michael Bunting... I feel like why change something that's working? However, if they get stomped and they were the worst team in three or four games and the guy who's number one on Frank's free agent board is available to you, you probably put him into the game, right? You like trust I, him? I don't. That's the thing, though. I don't really trust him. However, if you don't trust him and he continues to, you know, mess around with that trust with his antics, then I just sit him down. You know what I mean? Like you can sit him down in game just because you have him in the lineup doesn't mean he has to yeah, be but that's playing a roster and going spot over the boards over and over, and over again. I just don't know who you take out. Somebody in the text line says Kerfoot. Kerfoot, while so frustrating, and we can talk about this because we're taking calls after the break, mm-hmm. uh, he at least can give you the stability that Bunting can't. You know what I mean? Like at least he he's like the lightest version of Ryan O'Reilly in that he oh he's normally doing the right thing, right? He can't score and he doesn't pop in any way. And he's a part of the, what has been the uh, worst really line. sold me on him. But uh, he just doesn't like <laughs> hurt you. Bunting can hurt you. Mm-hmm. So you're weighing pros it. and cons. Do you want like, do you want the possibility of a little bit more or do you want the possibility of something bad happening? Again, like I think the fourth line has been good enough where you don't mess with it. Is that fourth line as good if Michael Bunting's on it? Are you taking out Matthew Nyes right now? He seems like one of the few people capable of scoring a big goal for you, and you haven't got it yet. So mm-hmm. if you're playing percentages, why don't we wait on that Matthew Nyes offensive moment? And the third line has been the best. It, it, I feel like the easy thing would be, unfortunately, to take Matthew Nyes out because he's the young guy without the playoff experience. And he has made some little nervous mistakes because he just came from college. He has exceeded my expectations, however. But I, I mm-hmm. don't think that that's the right move taking Matthew Nyes out of lineup, but then you're left with where's the spot for bunting. I do believe a lot of it comes into tonight, which is good timing because then you got two days really in between Monday and Thursday's game to make this decision. Obviously we'll see with practice lines. I assume they would take tomorrow off. 
travel and then practice Wednesday, but still, there's not a lot of time. Like, you got to make this decision real quick. And we're talking like 10 days between games for bunting. Not that I don't think that matters that that much, but it is a pretty reasonable Mm -hmm. layoff. And we'll get to hear from him because he wasn't allowed to talk to the media until he was done serving his suspension. It's probably a good idea. See how he he learned anything. Anyway. It's a no-fly zone for a couple guys. That's right. (laughs) Give us the conversation. The media is hungry. We'll talk about that and more when we take your calls on the other side of the break. 416-870-0590, 590 or star 590 on your Rogers cell phone. And while you're getting in the queue, use that phone to text in because we're giving away tickets to the Toronto Marlies on their journey towards the Calder Cup at Coca-Cola's Coliseum. We have a four-pack of tickets to give away for this Thursday's game. To enter, listen for the code word Text it in at 590-590. Today's code word is Calder Cup. It's easy enough. Text Calder Cup to 590-590 right now for your chance to win. The winner will also receive some merch. So text in Calder Cup to 590-590 to enter for this Thursday's game. Marley's kicking off their playoff run to the Calder Cup. They might need like a side monitor because the Leafs lightning game five also. It's tough timing to be playing. Anywho, it'll be a busy night in the city. So call in at... 416-870-0590, 416-870-0590, or star 590 on your Rogers cell phone. We're looking forward to hearing from you on the other side of the break. Big game tonight for the Maple Leafs. Big win on Saturday night. Where is your confidence ranking at? Are you more confident after the Leafs squeeze one out there? Or are there still question marks that remain? We'll chat. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590. The Fan, we're taking your calls this block at 416-870-0590-1888. Oh, I'm hearing myself again. Justin, you got to go. Uh-oh. Okay, yeah, call us. We need to hear from you uh, right now because we are taking your calls. We are taking your text again. Join the queue. Call us, 416-870-0590 or one 590 or star 590 on your Rogers cell phone. We need to hear from you. Is that passion still there? It's 48 hours after the fact or at least close. But I still think there's got to be some hot leaf takes from our audience right now. Let's see if I fixed it. You good? I believe I fixed it. All righty. Okay. As long as you can hear me. Wonderful. Uh, all right. So we got the Stanley Cup playoffs continuing tonight on Sportsnet. First up at 7 p.m., the New Jersey Devils look to draw even with the New York Rangers. That's on Sportsnet 360. Then at 7.30, the big one, Maple Leafs will try to extend their series lead against the Lightning. That's on Sportsnet and CBC. And at 9.30 p.m. later, the Winnipeg Jets square off against the Vegas Golden Nets on Sportsnet West. That game was amazing on the weekend, that OT thriller. I was sad to see the Jets lose that one because that arena was amazing. Um, and then the nightcap, the Colorado Avalanche looking to claim a 3-1 series over the Kraken at 10.20 p.m. on Sportsnet 360. Lots to watch tonight. And the Blue Jays are back in town. You know what tomorrow is. We got to wait one day before Looney Dogs, but the Chicago White Sox are here. 7-7 first pitch against the Blue Jays for a little homestand action. We're going to have to go uh, over your plan tomorrow for Looney Dogs uh, tomorrow. For now, I think the one thing from the Frank Saravalli discussion we just had thinks it's a bridge too far to suggest that the Lightning manipulate the officials. And I think manipulation's like an interesting word. I don't know if it's manipulation in that, oh, you're getting one over on the officials. I think it's just that the Lightning understand when things happen at a certain time, 
you're allowed to get away with certain things, like prison rules, right? It's just like, okay, it's mm. it's we got a riot. Let's take it as far as we know we can take it. I think that's what they did, goading Matthews into the fight. I don't think it's like, oh, yeah. The we're, manipulation is where we're getting stuck on, the I, word manipulation. I think, the, I think that word is key, and maybe we need a little bit of clarification from Sheldon Keefe. Maybe it really doesn't matter. Maybe this the the point stands. It's just that situational know-how with the lighting. They just understand how to act in those moments. A lot of teams have it. Boston has it. I think the Leafs are still looking for it. Okay, 416-870-0590-1-888-666-0590 or star 590 on your Rogers cell phone. We're taking your calls now. Game three in the books. Game four tonight. Is your confidence higher or lower after the Maple Leafs OT win on the weekend? We've got George in Oshawa, first caller in. George, thanks for coming on the line this morning. How are you feeling? Great, great. Good morning. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, uh, I, I spoke to your screener there. I just uh, wanted to say, I think feeling really good for Toronto. I think we've uh, learned a lot in the last uh, few series. That mm-hmm. was not, I don't think it was a lost cause. I think uh, just like you were mentioning there, Tampa and Boston have gained some experience knowing, you know, how to, how to handle certain situations. I think um, Toronto is a very unique city, as I was mentioning, that uh um, you know, the pressure in Toronto, you know, this is the only city that we have a, a major league baseball and a major league um, a basketball team in Canada. But our, our Maple Leafs are the epicenter of hockey. And when we have visiting teams, they bring their families up. You know, Gretzky always thrived when he was in Toronto, other players. And the, the, the pressure and the hype is so strong. And sometimes certain athletes, uh, if they have a proclivity and they have a lacking, and and we saw that with Kadri and now with Bunting, to to just lack that mental toughness and that discipline, it can cost us. And I think that um, Matthew Nyes has stepped in here as a college kid, you know, know, like he's like a deer in headlights. He's just in there doing his thing, focused, and he seems to be uh, not letting things affect him. I think... Even, even I think Samsonov stole us, you know, because the, the team was not like sharp as they were and didn't show that aggression as they did in game two. And Samsonov, we were always wanting a goalie that can steal us a game. I think he did an awesome job keeping us in. We got that overtime win. I think so. It's looking really good. I think the, the, the momentum is with Toronto. We have the talent. We have O'Reilly makes a big difference in there, too. We have some key components. Uh, we just didn't bring in some veterans that, you know, had some pedigree. We brought in people that have, like, uh, key things like uh, McCabe and different people like uh, O'Reilly can do. And even even with this young kid here, uh, he brings uh, the height and the knowingness how to be in front of that net and just make things, just to build the stability, make things happen. So I, I'm... I'm very encouraged. I think we need to not be bandwagon fans. We need to be stable, you know, and say, hey, you know what? We lost game two, but you know what? Nobody's going to win every game, and nobody's going to always get shutouts. And just stay stay focused and see the, like, the six years that and all these years that we've had in the playoffs, they've not been a lost cause. And Matthews is due for a breakout, uh, and so is Marner. We have tremendous uh, potential. I think Tavares really showed up big time with that the hat trick, I think. Yeah. In I'm, Montreal. Yeah, yeah, with Montreal, when he got wiped out, I thought, my gosh, we're, we're, we didn't realize how, how important he was. And here he was, he showed up. So I think he's, he's and, and a, a, like, 
my George, goodness, uh, Riley. George, we got to get uh, we got to get to the phone line. Lots there. We'll discuss we'll discuss all that, but uh, we got to make sure we get to the other phone line. So we appreciate the call, George. Lots of stuff there. Love what you said about Matthew Nyes. It seems like yeah, there's some things clearly Sheldon Keefe would mm-hmm. like to rid from his game as it currently stands, uh, but he's just showing so many flashes and is so insulated by Ryan O'Reilly that doesn't seem to matter. I'm feeling confident about Matthew Nice. I'd like to see him in the lineup still. George brought up quite a few great points there. Um, I think that's part of today is there's a lot going on. There's a lot of ways to feel about that game, whether it's Samson off confidence, whether it's Maple Leafs stealing one that they shouldn't have. I think there's a lot of ways that this can go. Tonight is a, is a big defining moment as well because you have the momentum, as he mentioned, but this is the game, and Frank brought this up too. This is the one that they don't usually win, right? You're going to go up 3-1 on the Tampa Bay Lightning, win both in Tampa. It's it's a big, tall task, but if they've really changed, that's when we'll see it tonight. Uh, let's grab Donna in Brampton on the phone now. You've got lots of thoughts on Samsonoff. How are you feeling this morning? I'm good. Um, I love listening to you guys. Anyway, uh, you. I was just asking about Samsonoff. I think it's a good idea just to keep him out of the media. I really think sometimes the media is the problem. Mm. Just let him just, you know what I mean, playing well. And sometimes people are just nervous. And um, for the media to always just keep asking questions about him, I just feel like I think it's a good idea. That's all I was calling about. Well, thanks, Don. I appreciate your call this morning. I think you're right. I mean, goalies already have a lot going on <laughs> mentally. And, and, you know, Samsonov, he's quite honest when he gets in front of the media. And maybe that has to do with, like, the language barrier. Just be like, hey, this is exactly how I feel. And maybe I'm not, you know professing it in the right way, but he's been a very honest guy. And now it comes down to like, this is all about mental fortitude. We don't need to have the questions about if he's tough enough or not. He found a way to be resilient in that second period. That's all we should be confident about. Mm -hmm. We should think that he's going to be able to find that starting from the first period of tonight's game. But you're right. I mean, we, we kind of, we blows things out of proportion. Don, it's our job. Yeah, well, I don't, even, I don't even know if it's, it's the media. It's, I think it's like where it's all going, where the inf- how big that little bit of information can right. become, right? It's, it's, the, it's the market. It's the, the previous caller, George, said it. It's the epicenter. It's like, yeah, if, if, if Samsonov shows like a crack in the armor, mm-hmm. everyone's going to know about it. And everyone's going to be talking and about it. And that can affect that performance. Too. Exactly. 100%. Um, Couple more calls in here, 416-870-0590, or star 590 on your Rogers cell phone. We've got a little bit more time, so get in the queue, and we'll try to get to as many as possible. Steve in Toronto's calling in with thoughts on bunting. Hey, Steve, how's it going? Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're well. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate you guys are good. Listen, I think that if the Leafs stick to the thought of believing they're going to take it, they are going to do it this year. Um, now, as far as bunting, they got to keep this boy out. As good as he is for the Leafs, I think he's also a headache for him at the same time. He's another Nazem Kadri for me. He's good at what he does, but at the same time, he brings the other side that's no good with him, and that's going to cause him problems. That's my thought on it. As far as the kid, uh, the new kid, nice, keep that boy in there. He's going to go long, long with the Leafs. I appreciate the call, Steve. Um, I think we're in agreement in terms of Matthew Nyes. It's going to be tough to to find the right answer for Bunting. I think he's going to have a lot of eyes on him if he does obviously come back in the lineup of how short that leash is because if you look at how last game went, there was a lot of physicality, and he might have been a great contributor to that, but also, you know, where's your confidence ranking that he's not going to cross that line, right? It's tough. I think there's reason to be sort of skeptical if, like, the hard games even benefit Bunting in any way. 
You know Which what I mean? Where like, has he actually shown like toughness? He, he right? gets, we talk about that. He gets in there. Yeah, he's one of the more physical players. He's one of the players that gets involved the most when it comes to scrums. But like, it's not like he's overly authoritative in those moments. Like, it's not like mm-hmm. he wins those situations more right, often than not. He's fought? just involved. No, he hasn't. Fought. And it's not about just <laughs> fighting, but like. When Tanner Genoa is beaking you at, uh, uh, on his own bench, like, yeah, that's like, okay, uh, I, I can, yeah, I'm a little worried about Tanner Genoa. Like, we were scared of Tanner Genoa. I'm not scared of Michael Bunting. Exactly. There's that's no the intimidating factor there. He's not going to come up on top of any scrums. Like, it's, it's, is he going to help you physically in any way? I think there's reason to be skeptical of that. Here's a great question that was posed in the text line. No answer, uh, no name to it. Sorry. Um, are we worried that Keith's comments will go against the lease with the refs? Yeah, I think th- I think there's reason to be like kind of wary about that. However, that might not be like an immediate thing because if they're called out, it's not about punishing the person who calls you out first. Generally, I think it's about like okay, being a little bit more aware of behavior. I'd like to think it wouldn't matter, but I think maybe the thing that's a little bit more powerful in this sense is like Sheldon keeps always on them, and we've seen that mm-hmm. with Nick Nurse, right? We've seen that with different. Uh, sports figures in Toronto, when they're if they're all over the officials, sometimes that just builds up and builds up and builds up, and you lose the benefit of the doubt that way. I don't know if his specific comments would ha- cause that reaction, but is Sheldon Keefe like looked fondly at by the officiating group in, in the so. NHL? Like I, I would say, that's a bit of a stretch. Um, here's a here's a text in about one of the questions we were posing about Stamkos, whether he had like the idea that okay, we're going to be shorthanded. Let me grab. Matthews and punch him in the face, right? The text in here is Stamkos absolutely knew they were going to be shorthanded. No referee's arm went up until Kucherov jumped Riley. So Stamkos thought that that was the only penalty and was trying to take Austin Matthews off the power play. So the perspective is that... I, I completely disagree with that, but I, I see a lot of people believe that. Here's another one here. In the video, you will see the ref starting to tell Stamkos they were going to be shorthanded. So that's when Stamkos went after Matthews. Keefe was 100% right. Refs will start picking apart Tampa's shenanigans moving forward. Well, send in the video. I'd like to see that. We got lip readers and the text line. Um, a couple more. So we asked your thoughts and if you were more confident, more hesitant, where your points of emphasis were coming into tonight. Um, Todd in Caledon East. Morning. I love that we finally, Leafs Nation, have a leader that is hated. Dubis is being hated for helping to drag the fence sitting members of Leafs Nation into the fight. It's us against the world and it's awesome. It's great to see our team finally battle through the garbage and get a W. I officially hate Stamkos as much as Janot Perry and the relevant Patrick Maroon. Is it game time yet? Let's go, Todd from Caledon East. There you go, Todd feeling good. He likes the Dubis energy and the Dubis personality that we'd never really see come out on Saturday night. I like it too. It's like Yankee-like. We've been talking about this. Uh, we kind of touching on it a little bit on the show, but maybe a little bit more off the air. Like the Maple Leafs are the New York Yankees of hockey. And what are the, the Yankees like? evil empire yankees Mm. are you know you're scared of playing the yankees you know that they're powerful and there's this almighty entity the leafs can show that attitude they can be as big as they really are and i feel like sometimes it's a little bit too corporate and kyle not being corporate kyle is interesting to me yeah show it off a little bit get in their face the leafs have to assert themselves Mm -hmm. more than just in the game they have to assert themselves as an organization and i love that because it was like a little bit of a glimpse into what it actually could be like, if that makes any sense. Speaking of the Yankees, you see our buddy Alec Manoa come out and just be dialed in against Garrett Cole. 
saw Vladdy, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. too. How about Vladdy Guerrero Jr., who is a Yankee killer at Yankee Stadium, and he comes in, delivers big all weekend long. Did you see the moment where Manoa and Co. Garrett Cole's ready on the mound to start the game, and he they're strutting their stuff down the foul line, waiting to get like slowly back to their uh, club or their dugout. I thought he's playing mind games. Enough. That's what I like. It's like it's there's a little there's a little attitude, sucks. right? Like you're not you're not just the participant. You are there because you are, if at the very least. You are an equal party mm-hmm. at the very least. I and sometimes it. the Leafs have just kind of like tiptoed and like, do we belong here? Like, no, you you do. And you're the most powerful force in hockey. Act like it. Be like Manoa. But deliver. Because Manoa hadn't delivered and hadn't walked the walk and talked the talk until Saturday. I was worried all season long about is the moment too big. It wasn't too big on Saturday. It's too bad that they blew the lead and then he didn't get the win. But he finally came in a big spot. And it might have been just having to pitch at Yankee Stadium against his Favorite. His arch nemesis. His favorite guy. A um, couple more texts in here before we take a break. Thanks for calling in, everybody. We're up against the clock, so we'll just read some texts here. Uh, more confident. We lose that game every other year, but not this year in capital letters. We stole that game. No questions about it. Boys will come out and destroy Tampa in game four. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to go one good effort for every three poor no. efforts. So if you can just even it up, if you can be great, if you can be outstanding two out of every four, that means you're going to have a 3-1 series lead over the Tampa Bay Lightning more likely than not. And then you're not. coming home. You can do it on home ice. Woo-hoo. Leafs' big challenge is when it's a clinching game. Bottom line is they've been outworked in two games so far this series and outworked in every game they've played in the last three years when they had a chance to clinch. Ooh. Yep, they got to change the narrative on that. Um, Brad from Barry, more confident. Win is a win, baby. Let's go. Exclamation points galore. Here's one, capital letters. More confident, baby. Let's go. <laughs> All right, so we're leaning towards some more confident Text line this morning. Wes on the 400. More, morning, keys to the game. Tampa's coming hungry and going to be very physical. Leafs don't fold, play their game, and hopefully Tampa's in the box. Also, feeling Nylander's dealing with something normally a bit more physical in the playoffs. That's Wes on the 400. Yeah, Willie Nylander didn't have a particularly strong performance in Tampa, nor did John Tavares, nor did that entire second line. I mean, it's that is the dark hole right now. That's the black hole for the Maple Leafs. Can that line give you something? Can they win a matchup? Can they give you some sort of advantage? Because there was only really one line that was really, really going, and maybe only one player in Austin Matthews. And then Ryan O'Reilly and Matthew Nyes were kind of covering off for some, you know, they they were absorbing the lightning rather than like really asserting themselves, but they absorbed enough to have their own moment or a couple moments in the game. All right, so thanks to our callers this morning. We'll do this again tomorrow after game four. We'll get your immediate thoughts and feelings on how the Maple Leafs either take a series extended lead or it gets tied back up. Uh, This next text will lead us perfectly in to our next guest, which is Will Liu. That photo of Morgan Riley reminds me of the photo of Fred Van Vliet lying on the court covered in blood the year they won the championship. Just saying. That's Allison in Toronto. Perfect, perfect way to segue into Will Liu, host of the Raptor Show, is going to join us. Nick Nurse out. Where's the Messiah jury vibe check after that press conference? That's next on the Fan Morning Show.